Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, have you ever created something that is perfect? Have you ever experienced a moment, a day, even an hour that uh, you would consider perfect? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I've had a sense of absolute, uh, I don't know, perfection is the, the name of it, but um, the sense of just being sort of at one with the world. I've certainly had that moment where I created something and I thought it was perfect, but that might have been an Ikea effect a moment. You know, we've talked about this before when you make something and you put a little bit more into it, the result than it actually is. You don't look at the imperfections of it. Um, and then there are people, uh, monks who actually weave in imperfections into whatever their rug they're working on, for instance, Tibetan monks. Oh yes, they weave it in because the idea that the the, the imperfection is 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 important part of the form, right? Yeah, you couldn't possibly create something that is perfection because it doesn't exist. Yeah, this idea of of perfection is interesting because I could see where if you were assembling something, you know, th- that kind of feels perfect. You know, you could say, well, I assembled it perfectly as the uh, instructions indicated. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, sometimes the instructions are flawed. Or no. are, are uncertain. And then at the end, it's hard to feel perfect about it. Um, likewise, certainly there's something perfect about being in that flow state where you're creating something and you mm-hmm. just feel, uh, you know, almost at, at, at one with your universe. But then at the end of, of the day, if you've created something, you've written something, you've painted something, I mean, time and time again, you see examples of, of, of people who have, have worked tirelessly on something and it never seems to be perfect, you know? They're, that, that, that story you're writing, that painting, that you're, that sculpture that you're spending years on, mm-hmm. like you're just edging a little bit closer and closer to this idea of perfection and it doesn't seem like you can ever quite get it. Like, like how do you ever get it to match up? With that, with the with the idea in your head. I mean, I run into this even when I'm just picking out an image to go along with our podcast episodes. Like sometimes right. I'll have just sort of an abstract idea of what the perfect illustration for this episode would be, and then I I end up just wasting all this time uh, looking around at our image resources trying to find something that that is as powerful as what I want to use. A good stark example of this kind of frustration of our expectation versus reality is to take a pen to paper mm-hmm. and to try to draw a perfect circle, which is, of course, the topic that we're talking about today. Have you ever in your lifetime created a perfect circle, even though in your head it's there, you see it? Yeah, this is a fascinating question, one that um, I, I did a, a short blog post about uh, a few weeks ago and, and I just continued to think about because just, just in terms of drawing a circle, and, and if you have the, the means to do so uh, and you're not driving a car or something, you might even give this a shot. Um, it's it's extremely difficult to to draw a circle that even appears to have some level of perfection to mm-hmm. it. Uh, certainly there are, I, I've read about uh, various uh, um Art schools, uh, past and present, uh, they've, uh, they've, you know, there, there's a lot of, uh, emphasis on being able to draw a very good circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly anybody can put a, uh, you know, a soda can on the table on a piece of paper and trace around it and say, ha, I've created a perfect circle because I just traced one. But, but none of these instances have you actually created something that is a mathematically perfect circle. No. 
because you can't really, right? right? Because you are not a machine. And as we'll discuss later on, this idea of a perfect circle may only exist in the mathematical realm. Yeah, even even machines have not yet been able to create a perfect circle and may never be able to create a circle, a perfect circle. And that is just one of the sort of maddening, uh, amazing things about this topic. Yeah, so let's talk about circles real quick in terms of the etymology. That is, a uh, circle is from the Greek kirkos, meaning ring, from the ancient root care, meaning to turn. And they are symbols of infinity. That's the other thing, a line that never ends. And right. so that is a deeply ingrained concept in us. And we think about this all the time, the circle of life, the circle of the seasons. The serpent eating its own tail, which we did a whole episode on. The um, Ouroboros. The Ouroboros, yeah, the Yorgamander. Now, Greek philosopher Empedocles devised a highly eccentric personal cosmology, uh, and his god was a circle of which the center is everywhere and the circumference is nowhere, which is a really interesting thought experiment, and it plays into a lot of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, this idea of, of circle is, the, is infinity, this idea is, of circle is God. I mean, certainly you look to uh, uh, Dante's Divine Comedy and, and various other uh cosmological models and you see the heavens and one even the hells composed of circles the circles are key to the uh, the organization of the the universe and in a sense uh, they are i mean when you look and we'll get more into the cosmic aspects later but you look at uh, at orbits you look at the the basic structure of uh, of heavenly bodies and you see spheres you see circles so you can you can you know understand since our earliest days we've been staring up into the sky, and uh, and and we've seen this brilliant circle just beating beating down on us, giving all the the energy and light that we have in this world. Yes, and to that point, the word zodiac comes from the Greek cyclo circle and zoon animal. It means circle of animals. So ah. again, here we see this pattern playing out, uh, not in just what we perceive, but in language. So we've, we've mentioned already the idea of circles and, uh, and, and, and the heavenly and the supernatural and God. And, uh, and in this we get, uh, into the platonic ideal. This idea that humans are but mere copies of God's perfection, right? Yeah, we're talking about Greek philosopher Plato who first observed that no one has ever seen a perfect circle, only imperfect approximations. And he concluded that since there are no perfect mathematical objects to be found in the world, the objects of mathematics, we're talking about perfect circles, triangles, and even numbers themselves, that that must somehow exist, these things must how, somehow exist as eternal abstract entities beyond space and time in some otherworldly platonic heaven called the world of forms or ideas. Yeah, and you may recognize this from our, our recent episode on supernormal stimuli, where we end up uh, waxing a bit about this. You know, again, the idea that there's quote-unquote perfect ideal versions of things, of objects, of uh, of realities that are just beyond us, perhaps in a in at least in a, a philosophical sense, mm-hmm. in some realm or dimension beyond our own. But then it gets it gets so squirrely because we're going to talk about the mathematical aspect of this, which really starts to get into the philosophical realm, and they all are sort of intertwined. Um, but the idea basically here is that there really is no perfect circle. And um, you talk to someone like John Adam, who is a mathematics professor of Old Dominion University and the author of Mathematics in Nature, Modeling Patterns in the Natural World. And he says that no perfect circle can occur in nature since a perfect circle is a geometric idealization. So again, we're underscoring this. It's an idealization. It is an illusion of perfection. 
Now, at this point in the podcast, I know a number of you are probably thinking, well, what about this? What about that? What in mm-hmm. various examples in the natural world are coming to mind? So we're just going to roll through some of them and discuss, uh, almost playing the game show, perfect circle or not a perfect circle. All right. Um, and uh, spoiler, um, you don't, don't vote for perfect circle on any of these because you'll lose. You will. Probably. There's one, there's one case where it's a little iffy, but still. It gets a little close. Yeah, a little close. And that's the thing. We, we, some of these examples are very close. Um, I guess let's start with, uh, with the planets. Okay. We live on a planet. We know from looking at our charts that there are all these other planets, these uh, spherical planets uh, that make up our solar system. Mm-hmm. We know that the sun is a, is a sphere. So let's look around our own uh, solar neighborhood. Are these perfect circles? Well, all right, a, a, take a planet, for instance. Um, a planet is basically a sphere. It's, it's round. And this is because the even distribution of gravitational forces draws matter into the spherical shape. Mm-hmm. But... You also have this centrifugal force of rotation that causes the spheres to bulge out at the at the equator. According to Clark uh, Planetarium Director Seth Jarvis, we're talking a barely noticeable 0.3% bulge at Earth's equator. But uh, you go to somewhere like Saturn, and there you'll see a hefty 10% bulge. So again, to the to the naked eye, and certainly on various uh, illustrations that we have of mm-hmm. these these worlds, you might not ca- you know might not even pick up on it. But since this uh, this sphere is spinning around, there is this bulge around the equator. Yeah, you have the interplay, um, for example, the Earth and its moon, and that is going to inform the way that that Earth is actually shaped, right? Because of that gravitational pull, and Saturn's rings; those look perfectly circular when you mm-hmm. look at them, right? I mean, it looks like, like seriously, it looks like wow, it could not be a perfect circle. It looks to the naked eye as though it is, but parts of the ring are bent by the pull of gravity from its other moons. So you see this at play. And then there's that that burning orb in the sky, which appears to be a perfect circle. Yeah. And again, we've looked at that for, we've worshipped the sun uh, as this perfect disk, right? Uh, But even our sun, which does boast incredible mathematical roundness. I mean, when you, when, when you take into everything into account, it's, it comes kind of close, but you're still going to see a bulge of about 10 kilometers at its equator, which is very minuscule given the enormous size of our solar system central star. But still, there's a bulge there, so it falls short of perfection. Now, the next one should instill some pride in leprechauns with pots of gold. Um, we're talking about rainbows, the arc of a rainbow, which, according to Adam, is the second closest thing to a perfect circle in nature. And, of course... The, the, a rainbow is actually a circle, so you're able to see that if you're up above in the clouds and you're looking down. But because we're on the horizon, we just see that arc. Yes. Now, you're probably wondering, well, what is what does he think is the closest thing we have in nature to a perfect circle? John Adams says the closest thing ripples in the water. Okay, you know, you drop a pebble into a pond, a still pond, and then you watch those ripples uh, mm-hmm. uh, reverberate out from the center. He says that's that's close. Still not perfect, though. Yeah, and he said that it doesn't even matter what if the object itself is round. It could be square. You could be skipping stones, and it could be all sorts mm-hmm. of um, herky-jerky in terms of its formations. Eventually, he says that those outward spirals will become a kind of perfect circle. And, and one important thing to keep in mind here, too, that ties in directly to the the idea of drawing a perfect circle or you're tracing a perfect circle is that the closer you look at something, it may look like it has some level of perfection uh, from uh, an outside view. But if you zoom in, mm-hmm. then does that line maintain its perfection? 
is there a is there a maintained perfect boundary? And just imagine uh, you know a pencil that's drawn a circle, and you zoom in. What are you going to see when you get closer and closer? You're going to see uh, tiny little bits of, of the pencil core. Yeah, there's a changeability factor here, but I think that's what's so interesting again about this kind of ripple effect because it's sort of a Zen meditation that you see that you see the morphing, you see the circle, you know, coming out of this situation, coming out of nothingness. And there maybe again there's something really deeply rooted within humans to recognize this. Now speaking of of things within us, uh how about eyes? I mean we're always looking in the mirror, we're looking to the eyes of other people, we're seeing those round pupils. Perfect circle or not a perfect circle? All right, yeah, I'm staring at your eyeball right now. And it couldn't look more like a perfect circle. The the iris itself and the pupil, of course it's not, but it's so pervasive in mammals, right? You see this in mammals that are diurnal, in other words, active during the daytime. Mm -hmm. And they are shaped that way, those pupils, to let in the optimal amount of light. Um, Of course, you start to diverge from this idea of these perfectly round pupils when you look at other animals. In fact, there's some that are really cool with uh, pupils that look like keyholes or oh, even yeah. hearts. Um, I mean, they're not actual hearts, but they kind of look like hearts to us. They're yeah. rainbows, though. Yeah, they're, uh, I really enjoyed looking at these various images of, of animal eyes. I mean, particularly uh, like the goat eye and the squid eye are, are two of my favorites. Yeah. I, I love I love a goat's eye. I like the lobster eye, too. Yes. Because it's yeah. just out there. <laughs> Now, if you go even smaller, you go down to the micro level, uh, we do see near-perfect roundness of the electron particle. But the interesting thing here is that the imperfection of that uh, of that electron particle actually factors into some of our best theories regarding the physical nature of the universe. So, simply put, without getting, you know... Into general getting, relativity. Yeah, getting into general relativity. If improved measuring techniques prove electrons to be too perfectly round, then we're forced to cast out some of our theories uh, proposing particles beyond those accounted for in the standard model. So it's almost almost brings us back to that idea of monks uh, putting imperfection into the tapestry. There's a certain mm-hmm. amount of imperfection that's that's present in our understanding of the universe. And if we were to determine that that, that uh, electrons are more perfect than we currently think, it's going to start unraveling some of that tapestry we've constructed. Yeah, it kind of opens up a whole can of worms when it comes to some of the theories. But the reason why they are using that electron is because that, that imperfection is so very tiny. We are talking point. 26 zeros, one centimeters off from being perfectly round. And put in another way, if the electron was magnified to the size of the solar system, it would deviate from immaculate rotundity. I love that. (laughs) By a magnitude equivalent to a human hair. Wow. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's head back out to the, to the macro uh, view of the universe for uh, uh, one final example here. And that is the black hole. Oh, yes. Yeah, there are many scientists that predict that the event horizon of a black hole, again, the event horizon, if, if you don't remember, is that, that point at which light cannot escape, theoretically, from mm-hmm. the black hole. Right, because yeah. the gravitational force right. or the sucking is so powerful Exactly. that it's just sucking all of that in. The same thing has been said about the film Event Horizon. But, but, uh, which I, wah, wah. I enjoyed when it came out. I, I have nothing against it. Fun flick. But this um, makes it difficult to, to measure right. any sort of data around an event horizon or around a black hole. Yeah. Scientists argue that, that this event horizon could constitute a perfect circle or sphere, but we've yet, we've yet to prove that out. And, uh, and not everyone is convinced we'd find perfection there 
either. In fact, according to Stephen Hawking, uh, as summarized uh, by Daily Galaxy, quantum effects around the black hole may cause space-time to fluctuate too widely for a sharp boundary surface to exist. So, I mean, especially with something like a black hole, you're getting into this weird idea. You're trying to, you're trying to find this this ideal circle mm-hmm. in a thing that is uh, existing in a curious state of space and time. Um, can we will, can we find it there? Maybe not. Well, it also puts an asterisk to this idea that a perfect cir- circle doesn't exist in nature because in this mathematical model, it has to, right? Could, <laughs> but again, <laughs> but it, 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 but then it gets in, you get into the discussion of does a circle is a circle something uh, from a mathematical understanding does it exist uh, for an extended period of time does it exist in time and space uh, you really get into the deep end of trying to to apply this this mathematical model of perfection to a universe that seems to have a lot of mathematical imperfection in it. All right, let's put that back on the shelf for a second. And just let it sort of reconstitute itself. Um, and go back to John Adam, who was writing in a National Geographic article about this idea of circles and saying that one of the reasons why they are so prevalent in nature is because things form circularly, um, because it's really the most efficient way to maximize or even minimize specific processes under certain constraints. And in mathematics, he said, a circle allows for the greatest area for any given perimeter and the least perimeter for any given area compared to other polygons. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to the gravity example. As mass is, is drawn into a, a point of gravitational attraction, mm-hmm. like the, it's going to form a sphere. It's going to form a circle because that's uh, the most democratic form of, of, of particle assimilation. In the most efficient form. Right. Right. So even if you're looking at, say, a sunflower mm-hmm. and you're looking at the middle of it, which appears to be a perfect circle, and then you peer in a little bit more, you see thousands of more little perfect circles comprising that surface area because this is the most efficient way for it to store its energy and to try to um, live as an organism. Yeah. It's also the easiest, I'm just thinking, it's probably the easiest form to get people to form into, you know? You think of uh, children in an elementary school environment, mm-hmm. and the teacher says, all right, everyone form a circle, or even a semicircle. That's going to be far more an, an efficient exercise than, okay, let's form a square, let's form a triangle. You know, because it's uh, it, it's just easier to, to, to picture that form in our mind and then adhere to it. Well, and there's this idea that maybe there's a sort of, uh, again, deeply rooted sense, at least in humans, that you would congregate in that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the study from 2009, the Max Planck Institute, in which they took volunteers and they asked them to walk from point A to point B, but this was in the dark. There were no navigational cues. And what they found is that people over and over again walked in circles. Hmm. So, you know, without these sort of cues around us, that's what we do. That's that trope. We are walking in circles. Right, you don't have enough data, and what metaphorically uh, poignant because you end up returning to the place from which you left. So, right, and then even to go back to that sunflower example, if you were to cut the stem of that and look at it on a cellular level, you would see again that these materials are congregating in circular fashions, or what look to be circular fashions. They're not perfect circles, but mm-hmm. again, it's the most efficient way to transfer energy in this organism. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more on circles, 
not only natural circles, but man-made circles, man-made spheres. How close do those come to perfection? Dun, dun, dun. All right, we are back. I'm going to throw this little stat out there. Three ten millionths of an inch from perfection. What man-made object has come so very close to a perfect circle? Oh, um, the Pepsi logo. Meh. Target logo. Hmm. God, I'm drawing a blank then. NASA's quartz gyroscopic rotor. Yes, uh, these were built for NASA's Gravity Probe B spacecraft, and uh, these quartz gyros do, in fact, stand as the most perfect man-made spheres ever created, landing less than, again, 10 millionths of an inch from perfection, which we created not just to show off how uh, amazing we were, but because they were necessary uh, to uh, for the inner workings of this particular gravity probe. Yeah, because this pr- uh, gravity probe was actually testing the theory of general relativity. Yes. shows up again. So they needed, again, something that was as precise as it possibly could be. Because being off by anything larger than one one hundred billionth of a degree every hour would ruin the experiment. Yeah, so it's crazy. Even when an organization like NASA throws its uh, you know its best te- scientific minds at the problem mm-hmm. of, uh, of of creating a perfect circle or a perfect sphere, can't quite reach perfection on it. No, but the Stanford team that worked on the spheres says only neutron stars are more spherical than what they created. So there's a little <laughs> boasting there. So they're, they're, they're saying, well, the, the universe can do a little better, but just barely. So, yeah, they're saying those new, neutron stars, they're show-offy and all with their collapsingness, <laughs> becoming a tighter and tighter ball of spherical energy. All right, well, let's turn then back to the word, world of mathematics because that is the only place that we're actually finding this perfect circle, and let's discuss exactly what it is, okay? A circle is, of course, the set of points in a plane that are equal distant from a given point. So if for a circle to be perfect, you need all of those points in the circle's circumference to match up exactly. And for all those points to match up exactly, you'd need this precision to remain constant no matter how closely you looked. The particles, the cells, the atoms. And are these points stationary or are they in motion? As So you can see where the search really becomes maddening because you apply everything we just said to that uh, that circle that you traced around a soda can. You apply it to the sun. You apply it mm-hmm. to the to the electron particle. You apply it to, to the human eye, any of these things. Then, yeah, if you look closely enough, are you going to see flux? Are you going to see uh, that, that a dis- disruption in that that uh, that never ending line? Yeah, it's a problem because in the real world, there's no such thing as a mathematical point. Right. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect line or a perfectly parallel line. Yeah, like an infinitely thin line that's, that's, that only exists in mathematics. Right, which is really helpful in mathematics. It's helpful in, in the realm in which you are trying to work out problems of the universe and work out theories, uh, or rather, you know, in this case, hypotheses. So... That's, again, this kind of weird area where you're saying, well, what is math then? Is it real? Can it really quantify the universe, or is it just this abstract notion? Well, I guess you could argue that, that okay, to, we've gone into the whole issue of mathematics, human creation and human discovery, right? Mm-hmm. Is it the, the blueprint of the universe or a blueprint we've created to make sense of the universe? Is it underlying or something we've made to overlie? So you could say that 
in inco- uncovering the language of the universe yes. in the form of mathematics, we determined we were able to see where you could create, you could have a more perfect universe, mathematically speaking, based on the language that's that's present. So the language gets us closer to something that is unknowable inherently. Yeah, or you could say that the the language hints at a perfect uh, model beyond our own, this realm of forms, right? Plato. Yeah. Yeah, so your platonic ideal. So is pi then this platonic ideal? Is pi a kind of god, an unknowable god only existing in this realm? Ooh, yeah, a lot of people would probably really be behind that idea. Yeah, a lot of pi fans out there. But you know what? What? It all comes down to this circle of learning, right? And actually the word encyclopedia literally means the circle of learning. Interesting. I, I did not know that. Yes. It was meant to indicate a well-rounded education. Huh. But can you ever have a perfectly round education, right? Never. There's never. always going to be a bulge in your education. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just such a fascinating area of discussion and, and, and contemplation because, uh, uh, you know, another example that I was coming back to, I posted something on our Facebook page um, and uh, which which has quite a following these days. Yeah, it's such a fascinating area of study and, and contemplation. Um, I, I every now and then I'll see someone talk about the idea of there being a, a creator in the universe. You know, is is there is there a god? And uh, and I've heard, seen people draw the example to say, well, I see perfection in the world around me, and so I know that there is a god. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't, you know, I don't want to take anything away from from that rationale because. It, it brings us back to that idea of the monk with the uh, with the tapestry, right? Mm-hmm. With the imperfections in it. I mean, we just get into linguistic problems when we talk about a perfect model of anything. Because think of a, a like I think of a novel. Like a perfect novel is not. I mean, there's a certain form you could say that is perfect in a novel, but even that's subjective. But you don't you, you know you don't want perfect characters within your novel. You want flawed characters that give the the narrative life. So it's it's really hard to to nail down is this universe perfect? Well, it's maybe not mathematically perfect, but you could argue that it is perfect in sort of a uh I'm an all-powerful entity, I'm going to make a terrarium in which salamanders fight each other for my amusement kind mm-hmm. of a way, right? Mhm. Yeah, I guess it all boils down to the individual level though when you're talking about perfection and and subjectivity. So I think that's why the realm of mathematics is so great when it comes to this idea of perfection because it's an agreed upon set of numbers right. and processes that you can come to. And I guess you could still filter it at the individual level. However, there's a sort of um, rhyme and reason to it that is seems more logical than just the individual experience. Uh, anyway, so there you go. A crash course in perfection, uh, in the idea of a perfect circle, uh, and in the, uh, the, the, the very strong idea that, that there is no such thing, at least in this universe, outside of, uh, the uh, world of mathematics. Yeah, I mean, it is pi the culprit of our, of our, uh, angst that we all feel? Yeah. Can we pin it on pi? I don't think we should. It's a great concept. It's a, it's a great. And it's a good dessert, it, also round. But not perfectly round. No. Yeah. It's never going to be perfectly round. Never. But you can still enjoy it. It's true. It's true. Yeah. All right. 
you want to get in touch with us, uh, you want to share your thoughts on perfection in our universe, in our lives, in our circles, uh, do you have a, a candidate that you think uh, nails it for perfect circles? Is something we've missed here? Bring it up. We'll discuss it on a future uh, listener mail segment. Uh, in the meantime, do check us out at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's where you will find all of our podcast episodes, all of our videos, all of our blog articles. You will find uh, links out to our various social media accounts there, including the Facebook account that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we're Stuff to Blow Your Mind on there. You can just search us up and follow us. And uh, check out uh, YouTube, uh, where we are Mind Stuff Show. You'll find uh, all of our various uh, fun little video projects, including uh, Julie's new uh, Information Elevator series, which is uh, just wonderfully delightful. Do check that out. And uh, is there another way that they can get in touch with us? Maybe a more perfect way to get in touch a with us. A more perfect way? There's a, a perhaps even a circular way of packet, uh-huh. packets of information being delivered to us uh, via email. So you can send your thoughts to us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 